I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about my summit on Saturday, smashing success, more to come on that, Democrats' amnesty blocked for now, Millie's under fire, and rules for thee, but not for me. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Well, probably for the last two months, I've been telling you that I had a summit coming up in Texas. It was this past Saturday, September 18th, and it was called the America Can We Talk Women for Freedom Summit, the second annual, and it was here in Dallas. And I want to just tell you, I'll be telling you more about it over the next week or so, different pictures and clips. I don't have the clips yet of the speakers. But I just want to tell you it was a smashing success. And this is not really because I planned such a great summit. I care about the issues deeply. I care about America. Because of political activity for many years, I have great connections with people who are deeply thoughtful. And I was able to organize many of them to come to Texas and talk about, if I had to summarize it, and I love the name of our summit, Women for Freedom, but it's about the idea that in so many serious, significant ways, freedom in America is under threat. And they were just great speakers. I want to just tell you a few highlights um, of the day. And um, as I said, I'll be sharing some clips later on in the week. But to start with, I'm going to start with the ending. We had a gentleman speak, do our closing. Uh, his name is David Clements. His, um, he, I had him on the program as Professor David Clements. And he got up to say, actually, I need to correct it. I'm not a professor anymore. He'd been a professor at the University of New Mexico, New Mexico Law School. And in his capacity there, he's just doing his job. He'd previously been a very successful prosecutor, a great attorney. And before that, had actually been a professor. I think it was a finance. So he'd been in the academic world. He'd been a prosecutor, but he also is a person simply committed to truth. Shortly after the November elections, he began looking at what many people are concerned about in the elections, and he launched his own uh, podcast called The Professor's Record. But what he was telling us at the summit was uh, that he was uh, seeming to be on his way out from the University of New Mexico Law School um, over his position on not wearing, wanting to wear a mask um, at the school while he's teaching, not wear a mask, and, uh, and not get the uh, a COVID vaccine or the jab, as they say. But the real poignancy, he was very poignant and very good. Among the main big points he was making was of all the things seeming that were seeming to lack in America, you know, we do have, he would agree that freedom is under threat in many ways. We talked about the idea of lack of courage. And he gave many examples of that. But the gist of what he's saying was, you know, just like, and this is my language now, but just like the founders of our country, when they realized how dangerous what they were doing was, they were going to stand up and fight against King George, they had to sign off the Declaration of Independence and, and commit their lives, fortune, and sacred honor. They were saying, yeah, we're putting, we're all in, and we may lose everything. And most of them did lose everything, including their lives. He's talking about today, as we watch this big scene in the world, the, 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 you know, the big global picture, and again, my term's not his, we are watching the rise of the Marxist, socialist, Islamist, 
global power, people determined to have global government. It came at the World Economic Forum, had one version of it. They had the Klaus Schwab writing about COVID-19. Was the springboard going to justify the Great Reset? Essentially, we're going to have the world come under the control of the ruling elites, because after all, of COVID, we can use COVID. I mean, it was almost an admission. We're using COVID as an excuse, as an excuse to seize the power we've always wanted. And so he talked about, uh, so there's, there's that aspect of it, but the big international picture, you have the globalists, Islamists, Marxists, communists on the move, thinking we're moving away from nation states and we're moving toward a global communist government, which they, don't worry, the ruling elite will take care of everything for you. Uh, and then we have the other side, the people standing up for freedom and standing up for freedom in a whole host of issues. Part of what, back to the closing of the summit, was that uh, David Clements was saying was, you know, it takes courage to stand up. I mean, you see many commentators who will no longer discuss any of the issues that the left has decided you may not speak about. We have not yet precise, direct legal censorship in America, but we have the censors, the controllers of social media, controlling what we say. We have the government threatening people who dare to say things they don't agree with. We have the government actually, in the form of the Department of Justice, threatening the state of Arizona if they even want to engage in canvassing to figure out whether what happened in their election in 2020. You talked about the need for political courage and how few have it. And in this country, it's not just courage. You can't sit back and wait for the ruling elite to have enough courage. You can't wait for your elected congressman or senator or some other leader. You know, it's up to us. This is a we the people time. We the people time to step up and have courage. He was stellar. I, I'm not even beginning to do justice to the depth of what he had to say, but it was stellar. And, and so he was a great closing to the summit. Other highlights I'll share with you briefly. Uh, we had as a uh, one of the speakers was Katie Hopkins. And she, if you know that name, she is a British citizen. She travels to America quite often. She's here on an extended trip right now. And she has been outspoken talking about on a higher level, just summarizing the idea that Western civilization the concept of states ruled, nation states ruled by their own people with elected government, with a rule of law, with freedom of religion and freedom of speech and, and all the freedoms, freedom to own property, all the freedoms that are just inherent in having freedom, it's all under attack. And basically, the UK and Western Europe have already capitulated. She's, she spoke eloquently about the idea the rest of the world is watching America, saying, please, please hold on to freedom. There's no place else to go. So she was stellar. Uh, a lot of great remarks, actually, by a woman named Z Van Fleet. Most of you probably saw her video. She is a, a resident of the state of Virginia. She spoke at a school board meeting there. She grew up in China under Mao Zedong. She watched the Cultural Revolution, which killed millions. It was the government killed millions of its own citizens in its quest for cultural revolution, which really just came down to taking strict control over every aspect of speech and culture in society in China. And she made the direct parallel, unafraid, profoundly strong, essentially talking about critical race theory, the rise of Marxism in this country, the rise of government power over your lives. We are watching 
Marxism take over America. I say it in my show all the time. We are in the middle of the Marxist revolution in America. We're not waiting for it. We're not pondering, gee, do you think this is happening? This is where we are. And she was extremely detailed, diving down with slides, explaining, you know, here's what Mao did. Here's what today's anti-American left is doing. Here's what Mao did. Same thing over here today's anti-American left. Very, very profound. She was great. I'm just doing a teaser today about the uh, summit, but, summit, but I want to tell you that two last things in closing up about the summit. One is it was very well attended. It was so upbeat and it was full of people of all different ages. And I was thrilled to see that and races and ethnicities and national origins. In short, it was America. So it was a really a very high energy. So many people came up afterwards to thank um, all of us. I obviously I, I put it together, but I had an enormously uh, wonderful, consequential team who just did so much to make it all happen. People come up to thank us, just saying, I, I, I kind of waiting for someone else to say this. Thank you for saying this. Thank you for doing this. How can I help? I want to volunteer next year. But the other really interesting thing was at the very end, I'm going to talk more about that throughout the week and probably next week too, but at the very end, you know, we obviously had a professional AV company and they, and they appear to do a seller job. I'm going to get the, um, the, clip, the entire video of the um, summit today and then we're going to start dividing it up. We're going to make it available to you. We're going to divide it up into segments because it's obviously very long. Otherwise, it's like eight hours long. So divided into subject topics. But there was a gentleman working in the back for the AV company. And he's uh, standing there. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. He's working for them. So one of my speakers was leaving. He's actually stepping out in the hallway for a moment. And this guy stopped him to say hello and, you know, liked your remarks, whatever. I appreciate your remarks, blah, blah. And this guy said, you know, I came here today to do my job. I mean, I have a job. I work for the AV company. But I came here thinking, because I'd always been told that Republicans and conservatives are mean-spirited, are racist, are bigoted, are mean, are selfish, all, all the words you think the left always attaches in trying to describe conservatives. And he said, I, 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 you've made a Republican out of me today. He said, I, I can't believe these are the people I've always been hearing about. Everyone's friendly, they're polite, they're helpful, they're happy, they're upbeat. It was the greatest thing. I mean, it's, I still don't know who this person is, but I know that they stopped one of my speakers. And the great thing was, after the whole event was over, I took the speakers out to dinner. My husband and I took the speakers out to dinner. And so we're sitting there talking, and this guy, this one speaker is telling the story. And this other speaker said, same thing happened to me. Same guy. He stopped me too to say, I always thought I was a, you know, a, a Democrat or a liberal. And I, everything you're saying is true. I just never knew what you really stood for. So we're going to talk much more about the summit, but I am extremely happy. And again, what I'm happy about is, and because the, the summit has the same purpose, the same point as my show, and that is speaking up for the unique, extraordinary greatness of America. I did not begin to cover all the greatness of every speaker. I had a little line I said uh, at the beginning, I said, you know, I'm going to tell you all, speaking to the audience and opening it up, you know, who was my favorite speaker today, the best speaker we have, which is all of them. They were all stellar. So you'll hear more of them. 
I just love celebrating America. I love when I, you, get, you understand people are getting what we're saying about America's unique and extraordinary greatness and how it is so directly under threat and how each and every one of us has a role to play in keeping America great. So when I did send Matt the Wonderful some um, pictures. I'll quick show them to you. We'll have better pictures from the photographer tomorrow. But uh, one picture, this is uh, one of my speakers is Kelly Ward, Dr. Kelly Ward. She's the chairman of the Arizona GOP. And uh, the other, the gentleman in the picture is Frank Gap, and he's the uh, founder of the Center for Security Policy. Kelly Ward actually spoke twice, one time on COVID policy. She's a doctor by background. And then the other time on election integrity. She's a chair of the Arizona party, talking about their effort to get to the truth about the, in the Arizona audit. Gentleman, uh, Frank Gaffney, spoke about uh, national security. Uh, these are just two of my buds that came to the program. So uh, we took lots of great pictures, but that was at the end of it all. Um, and just, it was a great day. And th that's fine, Matt. That's all I want to show them. But I really want to just encourage you. This summit will be available. And you'll be available, actually, for, and I had some people afterwards saying, how can I just capture all this and spread it around? And this is what I hope you'll do. And we have this ready. I hope you'll watch these different segments, share them with your friends. Uh, we're even talking about trying to make up a little talking points on each su subject because many times I think people know you know we had a great segment of the border people know what's happening at the border is wrong but they don't know how to fight about it they don't know how to speak about it. they don't know what to say about it so um, it, we're going to try to create kind of helpful talking points for patriots so you can actually spread these truths to others because uh, to close out this first five I'll say this nobody is coming along to save America the free Nobody, no big leader, no elected official, no candidate. It is up to us. It's up to we, the people, to hold on to, stand up for, preserve, protect, and defend America, the great, unique, and extraordinary America, the free. Because if we don't do it, there's nobody else who will. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so we had a little bit of good news out of Washington. That's always great to hear. Uh, so right now, as it stands, uh, the uh, Democrat Party was trying to push through amnesty. Amnesty for, and I'm going to get the numbers in a moment, but the number of Americans or number of people residing in the confines of the sovereign nation of America who are illegal aliens have no right to be here. So the Democrats are trying to push through a massive immigration bill massive immigration bill to essentially give a path to citizenship. And the numbers always, and the Democrats always play them down, say, oh, you know, it was 10 or 11 million. These people have been here for years. They always give you the sob stories of the people who have been here for, you know, 20, 10, 20 years. They've had their kids here. They don't know their country. Uh, and they are at the same time, the southern border is totally open. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's as open. It's completely open. When you see the video that we'll show you from the conference, you'll understand what I mean. The southern border is open. People are pouring in, and the Democrats at the same time trying to push through amnesty, and, the, and they don't have the integrity or the principle to openly say to America, here's what we want to do. Instead, they had a plan to try to sneak amnesty through this massive, bankrupting, $3.5 trillion package of social change, social spending, and climate change. Uh, they were going to try to stick in the entire amnesty in that, force the whole dang thing through at once. This is typical of what leftists do. Leftists never run on what they really are going to do. If they told America, yeah, you know what? We're going to abandon the southern border. We're letting everybody in. Then we're going to have a massive amnesty bill. And they're all going to vote. Isn't that great? This, they, if they did that, no one would vote for them. So they focus on 
individual sympathetic stories, someone coming from some place where they really have a hard life and all they want to do is come to America, it's a better place. They never comment on the drug smugglers, the human smugglers, the sex traffickers, the terrorists from the Middle East, the massive pouring in of people from around the world who are not coming here to get a better life in terms of finding opportunity. They're coming here because the Biden administration and all Democrat administrations before them have been telling them, don't worry, come to America. Everything's free. It's the most amazing country. You go there, you get free housing, free education, free medical care, free food. It's a great thing. Of course they come here. They come here because they think it's everything's free because the Democrats are sending that message. So back to what happened in Washington. The Democrats tried to stick this amnesty bill into this 3.5 trillion monstrosity to get it through the Senate without having to deal with the fact that they only have 50 people in the Senate. You know, 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans, tiebreaker being the president of the Senate, who is the same person as the occupant of the vice presidency at this time. And so, but they tried to do that. And how it got stopped is the parliamentarian, the parliamentarian, God bless that parliamentarian, stepped in and said, no, 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 amnesty is too far afield, cannot be part of this spending package. And so she, the parliamentarian, ruled against the Democrats in, the, in trying to push his entire amnesty thing in the reconciliation bill. Now, I'm telling you, the Democrats aren't going to give up. This isn't like, okay, we give up, never mind. They're going to find a different way. But why I love this so much is because what the Democrats were doing was profoundly dishonest and unprincipled. If you want to have a conversation, you're the Democrat Party, you have a conversation with America that says, you know what, America, we think everybody who sneaked in, whether it was 50 years ago or five minutes ago, everybody gets citizenship and we want to do it and we're going to make a path or we're going to pick this segment of Americans, uh, 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 illegal aliens, but they've been here for a certain amount of time or this segment, for whatever other reason it is, make your argument to the American people. Make your argument to the American people and get their backing. And the way they do that is they have, obviously, in the Senate and the House, they have representatives from every state. So if you're the Democrat Party and you actually really want to give amnesty to all of them, then you've got to convince your elected officials, your elected Democrats in the Senate and the House to back an amnesty plan. And those people, in turn, have to go back to their states. If you're a senator, you've got to get the feel of your whole state. If you're a House member, at least of your whole state. A congressional district and say, well, what do you think, folks? I mean, the Democrats want me to vote for amnesty. And very quickly, those people will find out the vast majority of Americans do not want amnesty. They do not support it. And the Democrats know this. The Democrats know this. This is why they try to push it through, sneak it through in an unrelated bill because they don't want to have the conversation with the American people and they don't want to have their members voted out for supporting it. So they put a big fat bill and then if it were to go through or if someone votes against it, they are back in those districts, back in those states saying, well, you know, Senator so-and-so or, you know, U.S. Rep. so-and-so, they would not vote for this bill. I was trying to get money to, you know, uh, fund cancer research or something else that's in the bill that they think that people will like. In the meantime, if you're forced to vote for it, it's a big fat monstrosity. You vote yes or you vote no, and they nitpick you to death if you vote no on all these little provisions in the big bill that were stuck in there, and you didn't really vote against those. You voted against this bill because you don't think we should have amnesty. So 
at least temporarily, at least temporarily, the Democrats have been blocked on this amnesty thing. And I tell you, I know that their number one goal, as soon as they had the majority in the House and a kind of majority in the Senate and the occupant of the White House, their number one goal was to push through their H.R. 1, now H.R. 4, this massive permanent election fraud bill, permanently mandating every election fraud tactic available. That was their first thing, take federal control of elections and permanently set in place provisions that everyone who pays any attention understands are designed to permit the theft of elections. That was their number one goal. But amnesty is way up there in the Democrats, and they don't have a lot of time left. They're already looking at, the, at 2022. Now, they recognize if the elections can be rigged, then they're not that worried about 2022. But they want amnesty, and they want amnesty now because they know it doesn't fly with the American people. They want it now. They want to get it done and, you know, take the slings and arrows where they've still got this bare, bare, bare uh, majority. And they also have the other great thing happening uh, in Washington is on this subject is that Joe Manchin, the Democrat uh, senator from West Virginia, is blocking this at this point, this $3.5 trillion bill. He even, uh, Biden even sat down, had a meeting with him and said, you know, you really got to get behind this, Joe. And Joe, being from West Virginia, he's a Democrat, but you know, West Virginia Democrats are like not the same as ruling elite San Francisco Democrats. They're actually not completely crazy about spending. And so Manchin is saying, no, we need to put a pause. I think that was his word, pause or delay on um, when he was... Um, uh, put a pause or delay uh, on the 3.5 trillion thing, saying actually got to make it more like you know 1.5. Let's just hold off here. Manchin's putting the brakes on the Democrats, and he is there. I, I mean, he, if he continues it, uh, it's going to be a fabulous, fabulous thing. So um, this is all good news out of Washington. I want to play for you though. I sent to Matt the wonderful clip of President. Uh, I'm not going to call him that. The occupier of the White House. The uh, chief, the occupant of the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue had this statement in trying to gin up support for the amnesty idea. If you can play Joe Biden. You know, ever since our nation was founded, America has been nurtured and enriched by contributions, sacrifices and dreams of immigrants from every part of the world. Every immigrant comes here for different from different circumstances and for different reasons. But they all have one thing in common, courage. It takes courage to leave behind all you've ever known and start a new life in America. And Citizenship Day is a reminder that the job of every single one of us is to ensure that America remains a country worthy of immigrants' aspirations. My administration strives to do that by focusing on challenges facing working families, helping them gain a little breathing room, creating millions of good jobs so that more families can, can carve out their place in the middle class. And part of my Building Back Better initiative means recognizing the dignity and contributions of immigrant families, especially frontline workers who have carried our country on their backs throughout this pandemic. That's why I strongly support giving DREAMers, TPS recipients, farm workers, and essential workers the long-awaited pathway to citizenship they deserve. And I'm working closely with Congress right now to finally make that a reality, to ensure that every brave immigrant can pursue all the rights and opportunities that come with American citizenship. I've also been directed, I've also directed my cabinet to make sure that 
naturalization process is faster, more accessible, and more efficient, especially for immigrants who serve in our armed forces. You know, in our democracy, the title citizen is supreme. It's equal even to the title of president. And I'm hopeful and I'm confident that this year, we're finally going to put that within reach of so many deserving immigrants who have sacrificed and contributed so much to our nation already. So thank you for standing with us in this effort. And thank you for helping build the great nation of immigrants. May God bless you all. Okay, I try to be fair to him and play his whole clip because I think, I mean, I don't want to just grab a little something, but that's his whole clip on that subject. And I have a couple points to make on that. Every time the Democrats try to push for amnesty, they always pick, obviously, the most sympathetic class of immigrants to characterize, look, look who these people are. And there are some people here who are immigrants who have served America. And they're, they're immigrants who've done, you know, farm workers, people who, frankly, already have a legal status here if you're a farm worker. But leaving that aside, this is an effort by Biden to, to ridicule and belittle people concerned about the open border, concerned about the fact we're just letting, letting whoever happens across the southern border today into America. Immigration is not, the, the process is virtually non-existent. They get put on buses, put on planes, flown wherever they want. And this is our immigration process. And so he picks on the sympathetic uh, figures. I'm not saying we shouldn't emigrate more. I, I, what I really want, I want to have an honest conversation with immigration. I want honest uh, acknowledgement by the American left, which the anti-American left, which includes the entire Biden administration. They've abandoned the southern border that we now have in our country all sorts of Middle Eastern jihadist-type terrorists. We have people from all over the world recognizing the southern border is completely porous. We have people coming here who are, as I say, drug traffickers, human sex traffickers, cartel members, gang members, criminals. There, there is, if you let all those people in, you don't get to say, vote for us, vote for our policy. We're standing up for this nice immigrant class here. They're letting everybody in, and they're trying to circumvent the process our Constitution created for America to change laws. Instead of having the actual conversation in Congress, in the Senate, and with the American people, and the conversation between the senators and their uh, people in their states, and the House members and their congressional districts saying, well, here's what uh, the Democrats propose, here's what the Republicans propose, here's what I think. They wanted to slither like a snake, slither the entire amnesty thing in through this, uh, the uh, reconciliation bill, the massive spending bill, without a debate, without truthfulness, without being forthcoming. And when he just said, he who occupies the White House just said that it, the people coming here, that they, it took courage to leave. Okay, maybe it took courage to leave. It takes more courage in America to stand up and say, we need an orderly immigration system. We need a, a secure border. We need to have standards that are actually applied with respect to amnesty. We need to have the laws followed. That takes more courage in the world today than crossing America's poorest southern border. He's trying to guilt Americans into, hit, into getting duped and going along with the amnesty amnesty effort the left has always wanted and continues to want because that amnesty effort they believe will give them a massive new number of citizens who are going to they believe vote for democrats because after all democrats are the ones who open the border advocate for free health care free housing free education free medicine free everything free food 
And so, you know, who wouldn't, why wouldn't those people coming here vote for them? Because that's what they think they stand for. So you have a guy who has taken office, abandoned every reasonable policy, and all of them are reasonable. Trump put into place to try to secure the southern border, abandon building the wall, doesn't enforce the border. And that guy, he, so he abandons everything Trump put in place. And then he's trying to guilt Americans into just going along with the amnesty that is going to apply to all these people who are pouring over the border because he won't enforce it. It is outrageous. It is wrong. I'm God bless that that parliamentarian, the Senate stopping this. And actually, God bless Joe Manchin for recognizing everything the left is up to is extremely dangerous. This is a time when the actual bravery is on the side of the conservatives, of the of the people speaking up and standing up when they're recognizing that they are they are pummeled and pilloried and ridiculed by the left and by the left-wing media in this country that will attack anyone who won't go along with what the left wants. <sighs> okay, uh, I want to talk about two other things today. One is uh, General Milley. Uh, you know, it's really funny. I, I only have, I do my show Monday through Thursday, so by the time I get to Monday today, you know, it's been like a really long time, and there's so many stories I've talked, uh, we, I've missed the opportunity to talk about, um, and they, they, May seem like, oh, that's two days old. But this is a really, really important story, uh, really about how, um, how Washington functions and, and really how the um, media functions in protecting it. But let me just start with this. So uh, General Mark Milley, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the story came out. There's a book coming out. Uh, this is by uh, Washington Post associate editor Bob Woodward and national political reporter Bob Costa. In this new book, they are quoting General Milley. So this is Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he was in that position uh, under um, Trump. So he was around when Trump was here. So in the book, the two allege that Milley made a pair of secret phone calls to his Chinese counterpart, General Li Zusheng of the People's Liberation Army, in the final days of the Trump administration. In the book, Woodward and Costa are saying that General Milley, who is still serving the commander-in-chief at the time, which was Donald Trump, still serving Trump, making a call over to China uh, to this General Li Zusheng of the People's Liberation Army in the final days of the Trump administration, in which he gave information away about U.S.'s military strategy. I want you to listen to what he supposed, what he's quoted as saying. Now, I'm going to tell you. I'm sure these two who wrote this Washington Post book are leftists. I mean, they're, you know, they're Washington Post, so they're therefore leftists. But having said that, it makes it more credible what they're saying. It makes it more credible that they would, that they would write this. So let me go forward and tell you what they had to say. Here is what Milley allegedly said. General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable. Everything is going to be okay. We're not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. This was actually what he said. This he said before the election, October 30th. So it's several days before the election. He doesn't even know if Trump's going to win or Biden. Actually, he probably did know that they, Biden was going to win, but whatever, or that Biden was going to be told he won, that people were going to treat him as though he won. So he goes on to say, General Lee, you and I have known each other for, for five years now. If we're going to attack, listen to this. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. 
bear in mind, back to my great summit, by the way, we had fabulous speaker, a fabulous speaker in China. We had Gordon Chang, a, just a, a nationally renowned expert on the subject of China. And, and China is America's number one military and uh, political nemesis in the world. And we have other enemies, and there are other countries that are not friendly to America, the free, the strong, and the great, but China is the biggest one. Not just because China is so big and their military is so strong, but as China is determined and dedicated and, and unabashedly saying they intend ultimately to be the world's one single superpower. There's, oh, we can't go down that path. They accept to say, it's not like he said this to you know Canada. Hey, by the way, Canada, we're not going to attack you because Canada's not worried about that. He's saying this to the number one political and military nemesis of America in the world before the election. He says... We're not going to attack you. He says, if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. I want you to think about that. This is, this is American military policy. And China is a danger to America in countless ways. And even if General Milley thought that the right policy for America was to never attack China, then he certainly should give President Trump and then President Biden, uh, President, yeah, he should give them that advice. But you go and talk to the enemy, and there are plenty of people saying, this is treason, nothing short. You don't commiserate and reassure or give aid and comfort to the enemies of America, which is what he was doing. He's giving them aid, he's comforting them. Don't worry, let me give you a tip. Don't we're not going to contact you. He goes on to so. Anyway, um, he also, several months afterwards, um, he, went, he responded to China again, uh, assuaging concerns about American stability, following the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. He says, don't worry, we're 100% steady, everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. So, actually, there are some Republicans in Washington standing up. Representative Jim Banks, ranking member of the House Armed Services Subcommittee on Cyber and Innovative Technologies, Information Systems, uh, he is quoted as saying, Milley should resign. General Milley should resign. If a regular enlisted soldier was as insubordinate as Milley, they would be facing court-martial. He's saying, a regular guy, not this, it would be court-martialed. Similar quotes by Representative Doug Lamborn of Colorado, uh, Representative Rob Whitman, uh, Representative Mike Gallagher, Wisconsin Republican. These people are speaking out and saying, is, is anyone going to do anything about this? We now know the story's out there. Someone going to call Millie before Congress and say, hey, what do you think? I've got to tell you, though, the Washington punditry circle and the upper, the ruling elite and the left are already circling the wagons around Millie. And one guy was, I saw him on some news show this morning, was saying, you know, this is very common kind of conversation. This is no, no big deal. We always do this. It's very common. I don't think so. I think this General Milley, who is, by the way, also the one who is blathering on and on about his guilt, uh, white guilt, and would like to, you know, I mean, just complete hook, line, and sinker, critical race theory, social justice warrior, right down the path of the Marxist left uh, in leading the military. Um, he also was um, the one who had said that the attack in Afghanistan by American forces, American bombing forces, uh, was a righteous strike. This is after we were in the middle of the debacle of Afghanistan, which we're still in the middle of, but uh, there had been a bombing effort and uh, there had been, Millie had said it was a righteous strike. As it turns out, they killed seven to 10 completely innocent Afghan, uh, 10 Afghan citizens, seven of whom are children. 
I have to say, you talk about losing your center, losing your commitment to the idea of the rule of law and the structure of American government. If the guy, if Milley, if General Milley, again, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, can say that to the number one nemesis of America in the world, and nothing happens, because after all, you know, he's, and really underlying, I'll tell you, after all, what a lot of the thinking is, is, you know, the ruling elite had decided we don't like Trump, we don't want him running the country anymore, you know, I, and so, and so, you know, he's really doing the right thing by undermining Trump, because after all, we don't like him. It's really what, the, uh, my sense of the thinking underneath the uh, justifying and bolstering, building up uh, Millie and saying he didn't do anything wrong. Is well, you know, he's really, uh, is only Trump, and we don't like Trump anyway. So Millie ought to be examined, uh, ought to be, they ought to be a, a, at least a congressional uh, hearing. Um, and actually, there ultimately should be consideration of, if this isn't treason, if this is not aid and comfort to the enemy, what is? What is? Okay, I want to hit another story. This is on a lighter note. Um, I called it rules for thee and not for me. And so, you know, we have endless ongoing discussion in this country about the, um, about who makes mask rules and who has to wear a mask. And, you know, Biden is out there trying to push mask mandates still, trying to push, he wants to push vaccine, uh, you know, passports. Or I saw someone call it vaxports. That was kind of cute. V-A-X-ports, vaxports. He wants to push, you know, vaccine passports. He wants to push forced masking. He's just, he's really, he's, he is actually, Biden is following the mindset of Klaus Schwab and back the World Economic Forum, let's use COVID to seize all the power we can to get the people beaten into submission and going along with whatever it is that the left wants. So you had, uh, this is, I don't usually cover these kind of, um, I don't know, cultural stories or something, but there are numerous things that happened uh, that I want to at least mention. Um, one was um, AOC, um, you know, I, I I, I had a clip from her. I can't stand listening to her. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, an avowed, open, democratic socialist, member of the U.S. Congress, went to the, um, the Met, the huge, huge gala that costs, I think it's like $35,000 a ticket. She's actually being investigated now because somebody paid for her ticket and she's not allowed to accept gifts like that. But anyway, I sent to Matt the wonderful picture of her um, outfit uh, at the Met. Okay, I want to just leave that up there for a second, Matt, because I want to point out one thing. Number one is her dress says tax the rich, and that was her, oh, aren't I so cute because I have a dress that says um, tax the rich. Um, but that was her dress, but I want to point out something else about that picture. Who is wearing a mask and who is not? Because the mask wearer is the designer who is a, you know, one of the, she may be a famous designer, she may be a very good designer, she's also uh, a designer, and she is not allowed to be the uh, mask-free um, person, as you can see AOC is. AOC standing there, no mask at all, uh, and then again you have this uh, poor, this, um, but the poor uh, woman, the designer, does have a mask. There's another thing um, from that um, same, no, that, no, I wasn't at the gala. Okay, so that was the, but there were pictures in the gala. I can't remember if I sent Matt those or not, but there are pictures from the gala, uh, from the Emmys, yeah. There's one other one uh, that was a picture, um, it was a, a tweet, I think, by um, Bobby Sam, or, uh, but, but it was a picture of them at the Emmys, Emmys 2021. Okay, I'm going to point this out again. Take a look at that picture. 
all these famous people, these famous liberal left-wing elitists who back the Democrat Party, who back Biden, who back the mask mandators, who back the take away your freedom crowd, they're sitting there at the Emmys. They don't look socially distanced to me. They look like they're all having a great time, acting like life is normal. But they are leftists, and they back Biden and the whole left-wing regime. Another one from the Emmys I uh, wanted to point out, next slide, if you could, was from the Emmys also. Um, and now, actually, I'm going to back up that one. Okay, yeah, that is the Emmys. Anyway, there was one, uh, maybe I didn't send it to you, there was one that had a really great picture from the Emmys, which was, all these these uh, really famous elitist you know performers, no masks on, the servers, the people walking around uh, waiting on them, you know, filling their coffee and um, and you know, getting their drinks. Uh, yeah, they're all masked up because they have to wear masks. Okay, so that's just one. Okay, so that is the you know, AOC. She's at she's at the uh, Met Gala. She doesn't have to wear a mask, but other people do. You have the Emmys. You have all these rich, these uh, you know Hollywood elites, these, these you know fancy fancy actor types, all leftists. They don't wear masks. One, I showed you before, but I'll show you again. Nancy Pelosi. She had a fundraiser in California. Uh, this is Nancy Pelosi's fundraiser in um, Napa Valley. Uh, I sent you two pictures of that. Okay, uh, again, let's freeze this for a second. This is an outdoor fundraiser that Nancy Pelosi held, and all these people, and you're just seeing one table. There, it was a huge outdoor event. Notice the only people with masks on are the peasants. The people who serve you, the servers. There are, uh, there were three or four pictures I sent Matt. I want to put all those up. I mean, or at least two. There she is at the end of the table. No mask for her. No mask for anyone in the room. There was one big picture. I guess I didn't send it to him, but everybody is mask-free except the poor peasants who work for a living and who don't have millions of dollars and have to go work this event and they are wearing masks. This is my point to you. Okay, I'll do one more and then I'll tell you my point to you. Which is back to Obama's birthday party. And I know we talked about the time, but again, there's Obama at his birthday party. Now, originally when his invitations or the party was announced, a lot of pushback. What about this is a super spreader event? You can't do that. So he announced, okay, we're cutting back, cutting back, cutting back. Well, you know, they cut back kinda. Um, but they had literally at the uh, at his birthday party big pictures, nobody has a mask on. Nobody. And so they're dancing and partying, yahooing and hugging and getting their pictures with Obama, his birthday, blah, blah, blah. Family, I'm just tons of people there. Nobody has a mask on except the servers. And then there was a, a meme someone had made. And then, so the next one down, the meme that I sent that is Obama, uh, just contrasting that, uh, Obama, that's his party in the top. This is your child at school. And this is what the Biden administration and left wing school districts around the country are trying to do. The ruling elite at the Emmys, at Nancy Pelosi's fundraiser, at the Met Gala, at Obama's party, you have to understand they are making rules for the peasants, rules for the average guy that do not apply to the ruling rich. It's okay with them that there is a double standard. And I want to make a couple really important points about this. Number one is I truly think, we've had experts on my show, we had people uh, at my summit talk about this, and I'll say the point again, we had actual doctors who have successfully treated COVID patients, hundreds of COVID patients, 
and actually have them get better. They will tell you masks do no good. The virus, the COVID virus, it is one one thousandth the dimension of one strand of hair. That's how tiny it is. One one thousandth of one strand of hair. So a COVID virus is not even slightly impeded by a goofball cotton mask or any other kind of mask. It, it, it's, it's, it's impervious. I mean, it just, there, there's just, the, the virus, if it were human, would be laughing at the idea that a mask would stop it. You just, there's nothing about a mask that can stop a virus of that size. And prior to COVID coming along, there was something in the range of nine or 10 big studies done confirming what every doctor learns in medical school, which is masks don't stop viruses. And, and doctors know this, and they've been trying to say it. They've been saying this since the beginning. Fauci said it at the beginning, masks don't stop viruses. Well, there's no reason to mask, they don't stop viruses. The analogy made on my show by Dr. Simone Gold and actually another analogy made by a speaker at my summit was, you know, trying to wear a mask to prevent a virus to get through is like building a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. It's exactly 0% effective. And I'm telling you this, doctors all over America have been saying this and Dr. Fauci said it, he wrote it previously prior to COVID coming along, masks do no good for, vi for viruses. He said it at the start of COVID when people were saying, what about masks? No, no reason to mask. But the whole mask mandate thing has taken on a life in the American left, in the international anti-freedom left as a, as a tool to be telling people, we're gonna tell you when you're gonna wear a mask and you're gonna do it and you're going to be submissive. You're gonna wait to be told what it is you're supposed to do. And you have, some people have no control over it. I'm sure if you wait tables uh, at Nancy Pelosi's fundraiser or at Barack Obama's birthday party or at the Met or at the Emmys, everybody in those companies is told, oh yeah, yeah, strict company policy, half wear a mask, don't wear a mask the whole time, can't take it down, blah, blah, blah. It's a rule because they know they won't get the jobs unless they do that. But the wealthy, the ruling elite, and this isn't like three people, this is like hundreds and thousands of people in the wealthy crowds don't do it. They don't do it. I suspect that more and more, even leftists who weren't in the middle of creating policy in the Fauci world, but more and more leftists in this country they actually can read, they read the studies being done, they read the doctors speaking up, and they're realizing there's no reason for this mask mandate. They, they don't refuse to wear a mask because they're cool and they wanna look pretty for the camera. They don't wanna wear a mask because they have actually learned the facts that they are pointless and ridiculous. This is, what, this is why they won't wear one. And they don't wanna be bothered because they understand it doesn't do any good. And yet you have the left drilling down, honing down, hammering down on mask mandates, mask mandates for kids in school. Well, that was another, another person at my summit, as well as a doctor I've had on my show. There is absolutely no reason that children should be forced to wear masks. It has virtually, children have a virtual 100% survivability of COVID. They don't usually catch it. It's a version of the common cold virus. And if they do catch it, they have mild symptoms and, you, they have, and then they get over it and then they have the natural antibodies. So 
more and more people are figuring this out and just and, and unwilling to do it. And yet you have at the same time this astonishing push coming from the Biden administration, coming from the American left, pushing for more and more control, more mandates about vaccines, more mandates about uh, about masks for everyone. And I just I want you to really think about what is the reason? Why would Nancy Pelosi feel comfortable standing there in front of a 200? I mean, it was at least 200 people there. No one has a mask on if she actually believed that masks help prevent COVID. Why would she stand there? Why? Why, why would, and, you know, why would President, former President Obama party it up, get hot and sweaty, dancing, yahooing, and no one has a mask on if he actually thought masks help prevent co the spread of COVID? I'm telling you that people are catching on, and yet you have a push. And I'll tell you, I notice it in my day-to-day -day life, and you probably do too. Things are getting better. I mean, in terms of stores being open to, you know, either you wear a mask if you want, don't wear if you don't want to, uh, open to respecting the freedom of the individual. Uh, and then recently, with this newest push out of Washington, newest push out of Biden, mask mandates, they're, they're, it, so now you see more and more often the stores saying, you know, we here in Texas anyway, you know, we require masks. And, um, and so I, you know, and you go in and a lot of people don't have them on, but I'm noticing again, more and more people are masking up, more and more people putting them on, and it's out of fear. They can't figure out. They hear doctors saying, actual doctors who treat actual COVID patients and have been epidemiologists for years, saying masks don't do any good, don't do it. And then you have doctors you, or people on the American left saying, yeah, you got you to mask up. So I think, I, I think for all Americans, there's a, um, a growing insistence on, uh, the, number one, you have growing push out of Washington saying you're going to wear them, and more and more Americans waking up and saying, you know, I, I don't really think I, I need a mask, and I certainly don't need a mask if I've had COVID because I'm carrying the antibodies, so I don't need it. And so we're really at a clash in our culture in America about who decides how much freedom you have. Who decides how much freedom you have? Because if you listen to the Fauci's and Biden's of the world, the answer is they'll tell you how much freedom you have. They'll tell you. And you're just going to be way to be told whether you can go out of your house today, whether you have freedom, whether you have to wear a mask. So you have, you have that side. And then you have other people saying, you know what, actually, this is America. And I, and I read on my own and I research and understand things and I'm going to decide. There's really a a budding of heads in America, a budding of thinking, of political thinking about the idea who gets to decide about these mask mandate things and does the government really have the right to do this? There are now lawsuits pending uh, against, um, I'm not sure which school districts, about mask mandates because parents have been reading masks are actually affirmatively harmful for kids. They actually make them more sick. There's no reason to have them. So parents read these things, they file lawsuits. I just want to say in closing up the show for today uh, on this subject alone is that number one, leftists tend to accuse their opponents of whatever it is they're doing. So leftists accuse Republicans uh, being cavalier, you're the rich, the ruling elite, rules don't apply to you, you think you're better, and you know, leftists try to say, we're for the working guy. The leftists are right, the leftists are, the leftists are the wealthy ruling elite in this country. 
whether they go to Pelosi's fundraiser, Obama's birthday party, the, the Met Gala, or Emmys, or any other of the countless high-end events, they go inside, they take their masks off. That's what they do. And yet they will support administration that's pushing for mask mandates, pushing for uh, children wearing masks, even though the evidence that doctors have been screaming to get out is there's no reason for kids to wear them. So it's not really so much of a battle about freedom and ma about masks and COVID as about who decides. Do we still have freedom in America or do we wait to be told what day we can go to the grocery store and what we can do? And this is really where we are. Actually, in Australia, it's a huge thing. We'll have to get to that another day. But Australia is in a big battle over who decides how much freedom we have. I'm out of time for today, but to wrap up, I want to uh, loop back to something about my summit and then I'll go to why it matters to you. But the spirit of truly happy, joyful love of freedom love of the founding ideas of America, love of the idea of a, the individual having freedom and, and the individual having sovereignty, that idea, it made, it made the whole summit on Saturday just happy, upbeat. You heard it from speakers on, on subjects of all kinds. But this idea, there's a resurgence in understanding and appreciation for and, and reverence for the idea that America was founded on the notion that individuals have the right to live in freedom. And that right to freedom is under assault in America as never before since the beginning, the founding of our nation. And that's where really the battle what we're in is, do we have that founding right of freedom? Who decides how much freedom we have? Because if you listen to the leftists, they'll be happy to tell you, yeah, they have, you have only as much freedom as they decide you do. And the individual has, and the conservative, pro-America, pro-Constitution, pro-Declaration of Independence is saying, no, actually, the right to live in freedom is inherent. It's God-given. It's what the Declaration of Independence says that at the beginning, that God made us equal. We have inherent, we have rights simply because we're born. That's the idea of America. And that is really one of the main battlegrounds in America is who decides how much freedom we have. And the, and the leftists are on a roll in this world pushing for, they will tell you, and mostly they'll tell you what freedom you can have, and you're going to be happy in what they tell you, and you have the, 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 uh, those standing up and rising up for freedom on the other side of the, of the discussion saying, no, actually, freedom is a God-given right, and we're going to stand up for it. That, my friends, is where I stand. And one quick correction before I go to why it matters to you. Someone texted me to say I, I gave the wrong, I said some incorrect about the professor, the former professor, who spoke at our um, summit, uh, David Clements, he was a business law professor at New Mexico State University. So he's a law professor at New Mexico State University, which is different from the University of New Mexico. I stand corrected, but he's uh, now apparently on his way out, although he's being very eloquent in defending himself in that case. Okay, so now I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our first uh, at the show. Uh, the summit was a smashing success. September 18th, Women for Freedom Summit, powerful, memorable speaker highlights. You will be seeing more of them. We'll be reviewed over the next several shows. Um, soon to be former Professor David Clements, we all must find our courage. Z Van Fleet, we all must see the Marxist revolution for what it is and what it does, and it's right in front of us. Attendees were so grateful for information. But even more, for fellowship with like-minded patriots, there really are overwhelming more patriots, overwhelmingly more patriots than there are Marxists. But patriots have no time to waste. They must engage, resist peacefully at every level. 
a sleeper highlight after listening all day, a liberal leftist AV staffer became a patriot. And I'm going to try to check that guy down, but it was a great interaction he had. Truth attracts, truth will win, but we must stand up, speak up, and insist that truth be honored. And the Dems on having amnesty blocked for now. All right, next slide. Um, Senate parliamentarian rules amnesty cannot probably be combined into a spending bill, a ruling which reflects common sense. But the fact that a ruling even had to be made is a window on the radical left ruthlessness. Open borders, overwhelming education, healthcare, law enforcement is a goal. Amnesty for the flood of illegal immigrants is intended to create Democrat voters. For radical left's Marxist revolution, the end justifies any means. Slipping amnesty into legislation that's intended for other purposes is a measure of how desperate and determined the left is to transform and destroy America as found him. No excuse for any pro-America politician to fail to see what's happening. The radical left must be resisted, rejected, and defeated. And on General Milley under fire, leftist rationalizations from Milley's treasonous tip-off of an enemy. Well, he's just an ordinary, it's an ordinary part of the job of the chair of the Joint Chiefs. Everybody hated Trump, so sabotaging him is never, couldn't really be treason. That's basically what they, the defense is. Milley's handling of the drone strike that killed innocent civilians, but had been hailed by Milley and the media as a brilliant Biden counterstrike after 13 U.S. soldiers were killed, is adding to loss of trust of Milley. Mark Milley should have already resigned or been fired and court-martialed. He apparently believes the left's control of mainstream media will protect him. But will it? TDS, Trump Derangement Syndrome, made a decorated soldier into a modern Benedict Arnold. How will the Trump haters cope when election fraud is fully exposed? And rules for thee and not for me, what do the following have in common? Obama's birthday party, Pelosi's Napa Valley fundraiser, AOC's Met Gala tax rich dress, and the Emmys. Leftist politicians and celebrities widely photographed, not wearing masks, service and wait staff at every occasion, all wearing masks. When leftists scream elitist and racist at patriots, this is what is called projection, falsely accusing others of what you're guilty of yourself, AKA hypocrisy. Americans have seen enough and had enough of the Democrat protection and hypocrisy, projection and hypocrisy, change is coming. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America.